How are we doing, everybody? Good. Welcome tonight to Equip Night. Uh, I see some new faces. Raise your hand if you weren't at Equip Night last month. No way. We've never been to Equip Night before. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Well, buckle up. Buckle up. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun ride. Uh, before we get into it. Just want to commend everybody for taking the time out of your week to come get poured into. I know most people in here, you guys are already serving, and you're here a lot, and so we are thankful that you're here, and uh, I'm thankful that we're a part of a church that does stuff like this, that we're a part of a church that, you know, we're not just doing stuff on the weekends, but we're looking for ways to pour into all of us more. Um, and so we've got a bunch of good classes tonight, but we're excited you chose this one. Uh, tonight, we're going to be tackling parenting with today's technology. Um, so this is a big topic, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, this guy doesn't have a teenager or kids yet, and they don't either, and we know that. Um, but uh, everything that we're talking about tonight is founded upon God's Word, so it's good stuff. Um, it's all stuff that is really the heart of our pastors. Um, and at the end of the day, me, uh, myself, and, and Joy and Kent, we're called to pour into your kids. We're, we're part of the next-gen team at New Song, and so our goal is not to tell you how to do this, uh, because we don't know yet. Uh, our goal is just to partner with you guys to help you do this, because um, we want to see your kids uh, use technology in a way that glorifies God, which is hard to do today, um, in today's age. So we're going to be tackling that, but before we do, let's pray. So if you guys want to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Well, Father God, um, we just thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for um, your, new your new mercies for today, God. I thank you for calling us all to be planted in the house of the Lord. And, and that for us is new song. And we thank you for calling us here, God. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to get poured into by you. Um, and God, open up our hearts to what you have for us tonight. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe through this teaching, breathe through me, breathe through all the speakers tonight in a way that um, speaks to what everybody needs now, because everybody's in a different season, and we don't know what that season looks like, but you do. God, you know all things, and so I pray that you would breathe on this teaching uh, in a way that edifies every single parent in this class tonight, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room. We need you. We love you. We don't want to do this without you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Okay. Well, um, if you weren't at Equip Night last month, or a couple months ago, two months ago, um, which is everybody, Kent and I did, Kent and I did, we had the opportunity of doing a class um, called Parenting in a Way That cultiva Cultivates Purity. And everything that we talked about in that class um, is really, we're going to be piggybacking off of that. But since you guys weren't there, I just want to take a second to recap what that class was about. Um, so we talked about um, how to cultivate purity in your kids, which is a big topic. Um, and the class wasn't about how to keep your kids from having sex before marriage. Because that's not purity. That's just abstinence. We want to cultivate a heart for, of purity in our kids. So a heart that says, I know what the purpose of sex is, and I know what it, isn't, what, what it doesn't look like outside of marriage and how that's not God's will, and how to cultivate that in your kids. And um, in that class, 
We spent a little bit of talk, time talking about sexuality. We spent a little bit of time talking about your kids, but we actually spent most of the class talking about you as a parent. Uh, and the reason why we did that was because it's not your child's responsibility to learn how to be pure. It's not the church's responsibility to make your kids be pure. It's your job. It's your job as parents to cultivate purity. Yes, the church comes alongside and helps that, but ultimately it's you guys who teaches them what purity looks like and what's important about purity. And so um, in that class, we focused really on two, two focuses, two main points um, that Kent and I talked about. Um, and those were the foundation for what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's like the same heart. So I just wanted to give you those real quick. So if you're taking notes, you can uh, write these down. Um, but one of the main things we talked about uh, was communication. Communication is so important. And not just for purity, but just in general, when it comes to you and your kids. Communication is, is a priority. Um, in order for our kids to know that purity is important, we talked about this a lot. It takes more than just having one talk, like the talk. And we, we, it was funny. We just did a kind of like a poll and we were like, raise your hand if you just had one or zero talks about the sex talk with your parents before you were married. And it was like, everybody was like, yeah, one talk, that was it. And it's like, we can't expect that one talk to cultivate a heart of purity in our kids. And we really talked about this image of cultivating. And if you think about cultivating a garden, when you cultivate a garden, you don't just plant a seed and water it once and then just hope that you get a, a bountiful harvest one day. Like cultivating takes you checking on the harvest. It takes watering it daily, pruning. It takes all of these things to see the fruit. And so we talked about how communication, keeping that constant communication and really over time seeing that communication grow as they get older, that's how we're going to cultivate a heart for purity. And it doesn't even have to be like, having talks about purity. It's just communication in general, building that trust. Um, and then the last thing that we really honed in on was if we're going to cultivate purity, at the end of the day, we want to we wanna be parents that parent like God. Because God obviously is the greatest parent. He's our heavenly father. Um, but we can learn from God on how to parent our kids in a way that um, stewards them and teaches them about purity. And so we had three points if you want to write them down. You don't have to. But the first one that we talked about was God initiates with his kids. Um, God initiates with his kids. And so the heart behind that was in Genesis 2 and 3, you know, you got the Adam and Eve story. Well, in that story, Adam and Eve, we see the first sin ever committed, right? God says, don't eat of this tree. And what do they do? They eat of the tree, obviously. First sin we've ever seen. And we honed in on directly after we see the first sin ever committed, we see the first instance where shame comes into play. Instantly, what did Adam and Eve do? They build clothes because they realize they're naked. They feel shameful and they hide from God. Now, when that happens, God doesn't say, I told you guys not to do that. I can't believe you did that. You need to come talk to me first about this. But we actually see God walks towards them and says, hey, he initiates. He says, where are you? And he already knew where they were, but he initiated in that confrontation. And so what we talked about was we can't expect our kids to bring us a desire for purity. We have to initiate that with our kids. So God initiates with us. If we're wanting, if we're wanting to cultivate purity, we got to do that. Second thing we talked about was God talks about what he cares about. And obviously, 
that's God's word, right? God's word is a book filled with things that God cares about, right? And so we know what God cares about. Why? Because he talks about it in his word. And so we talked about how do your kids know that you care about purity? Like, do they hear you ever talking about it? Have you ever had that conversation with them? Um, And I know this varies on whatever age your kids are, but we just wanted to ask that question. Do your kids know what you care about? Do you talk about this with them? God talks about what he cares about. If we want our kids to know about purity, obviously we have to talk about it. And then the last thing that we talked about as we wrapped up the class was God corrects his kids. And so really at the end of the day, we live in a fallen world, right? And as hard as it is, we can't keep our kids from ever experiencing anything that has to do with sexuality or purity. It's going to touch them in some way or another, longer for others, shorter for others. But it's, we live in a fallen world. They're going to experience it. And so the way that we respond to them bringing that thing to us, whatever they've experienced, is really important. Even if there is correction that needs to happen, we talked about how the way God corrects is we see this in Jesus. It's always grace first and then truth, right? And so, you know, if you, I'm sure everybody's experienced this before, but you've experienced a way like sexual sin has hurt you or tainted your heart. Obviously, shame is involved with that. And when you bring that to a parent and they react in a, in a way that's harmful and you're already feeling shame about it, there's so many lies that can just instantly flood in. And not only that, but it can really harm your relationship with your child. And so we talked about that moment, and it's easier said than done, but that moment where that sexual sin or whatever comes up, it's so important as parents that we correct like God corrects. So we come in with grace first, and we say, I know that really sucks, but like, I've been there too. This is what happened to me. And then we bring truth. This is the consequence of that. And that's how God parents us. He always parents us with grace first and then truth. So everything we talked about in that class, we're going to come into this class with the same heart. So even though it's a different topic, sort of, I mean, it's still very connected to purity. Um, This is our heart. We want to be parents that parent like God. So we want to talk about it. We want to initiate it. And we want to correct the way God corrects, responding versus reacting. Um, And really, so we're talking about technology. Technology is growing like crazy. It's, it's moving at a faster pace than we can even keep up with. There's, there's actually a YouTube channel that I follow. It's on church media, and their slogan is, uh, we're helping churches navigate the biggest communication shift in over 500 years. And like, if you think about it, it's like we've never seen technology in the way we have ever until modern times, and it's just growing so fast, and it's a super powerful thing. It can be used for really, really good stuff, but also it is it gets bad really, really, really quick. And so our hope for tonight is to, one, shed some light on some of the bad <laughs> sides of technology. But ultimately, we don't want to be, you know, our, our pastor, Pastor Sarah, wrote a book called Fearless Parenting. This is the heart for this class. We don't want to give you all of this scary facts and, and things that Maddie's going to share with us in just a second, which is some juicy stuff. We're not trying to give you all this to scare you. And to be like, I need to keep my kid from technology and shelter them because that's not helping them. Technology's not going away anytime soon. So our heart is, how can we help you guys, help your kids, use technology in a way that honors God? Because there is a way to do that. 
Um, and so that's our heart for tonight. We don't want to bring fear into you guys. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to partner with you guys so you can um, fearlessly parent your kids. Um, but what we're going to do tonight, this is kind of going to be the, the flow of the night. Um, Maddie's about to come up. Maddie is a student. Or, well, she actually just graduated. And she, she's amazing. She interns at New Song. Um, so she's been helping us out a ton with graphics and stuff. But she's going to be sharing about some uh, things that you need to know as a parent. Because she just came out of high school. And so she knows things that we don't. Um, and she knows some really good stuff. And then um, Joy is our preschool um, pastor. And Kent is our children's pastor. And I'm the student's pastor. So after Maddie, we're each going to go through those grades or those ages. And we're going to talk about what that looks like specifically with that age. So Maddie, you want to come up here? Sweet. Hello. Um, like Jackson said, my name is Maddie. I just graduated high school, class of 2020. Um, I'm 18 years old, so I very much grew up in the age of technology. I've had it probably for way too long. So I um, just wanted to give you guys some insight on what that's like to always be surrounded by phones and social media from like a young age and just some personal narrative, like what happened at my school and how my friends were impacted with um, technology. So we're going to talk about some apps that you guys should know about. If you know about these, that's awesome. If not, you might want to get your notes out, write these down. Um, the first app is called the calculator app. It looks like a calculator. There it is. That's what it looks like. You open it up, looks like a calculator. Um, but it's actually a vault for photos and videos. So you type in a password. I know, the faces. <laughs> Yeah, you type in a password, you make a passcode, um, functions like a calculator, but when you like hit the equal sign, it goes to all these photos and videos that you've been hiding. Um, I do believe a little bit of privacy is important when you're a teenager and growing up, but this is way too much. And if you're putting something in a calculator vault, probably should not be having it. Uh, the next app you guys have probably heard of, it's TikTok. This, there's the icon, that's what it looks like. Um, this is like a... It's a video app, so it's all videos of like dances and makeup videos and singing videos and prank videos, and it's super fun. I have a TikTok myself. Um, you can get stuck on it for hours because you just scroll. It's a never-ending feed, so much like Facebook and Instagram, which I'm assuming all of you guys have, whenever you click into the app, you have a feed, and on Facebook and on Instagram, you follow the people that you want to see their stuff, and that's what makes your feed. Um, why TikTok can get dangerous is because it's random. They say it's curated to the videos you like, but from experience being on this app, it's most definitely not. Um, and it goes forever, and you don't really get to decide what you see on this For You page. Sometimes there's some, some bad stuff. Sometimes it's some funny stuff. So this app, I would definitely say... If you're gonna have it, it's for the older kids for sure. Because um, once you see something, like you can't erase that memory. And there has to be a level of maturity there to know what to do with that when you see something that you didn't wanna see. Um, the next thing is not really an app, it's called a Dropbox. I'm sure a lot of us have used this for school or for work. Um, my school personally, and the other Edmond High schools, there was a Dropbox of nude photos of girls of like tons, and it was in alphabetical order with their names A to Z. I didn't really know like 
I didn't have this on my phone. Not My friends didn't really have this. I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know it was a huge problem until one day this girl, she went to her parents because she found out she was in this Dropbox. And I think that's really important to note is that, like Jackson said, there needs to be a relationship there before you can you know, talk about these hard things with your kids. And she felt confident and comfortable that, you know, I can go to my mom and dad. They're still going to love me. They'll know what to do. They're probably going to be mad and disappointed. But they had that relationship that she was able to get the situation taken care of. Um, So she ended up going to her parents. And the parents went to the school. And I just remember sitting in my class, like first hour to sixth hour. I was a freshman in high school. All day long, boys would just be pulled out of each class to the principal's office because they had this app or this Dropbox on their phone and they actually got into legal trouble with the police department because they were in possession of child pornography so that was a really big deal and I remember being like I didn't know that this many kids because each class it was like five six kids people I knew and I was like wow so um, I then looked up as I was preparing for this class like was that just something at my school or is this more common and there's stories from all across the country of a Dropbox or something similar to a Dropbox being used for this purpose. Now, I'm not saying if your kid has a Dropbox, this is what it is, but just something to look out for. Keep on your radar. Yes? <laughs> yes, or like someone and they screenshotted them and then would send them in to the Dropbox. And there's primarily like a ring of boys in charge mm-hmm. yeah so um the next app I have is called Omegle this is a less common app I'm I I didn't know about it until this year when my little sister told me about it that just shows technology moves fast I'm already almost behind but um this <laughs> yeah this is a video chatting app and it's used for primarily used for cyber hookups That's what we're doing these days, I guess. So uh, you get on this app. It can be anything that has um, internet connection and a camera. So like a tablet, iPad, phone, computer. And you answer some questions like, what's your favorite color, your hobbies that you like to do, and your favorite food. And then it connects you with people that have similar interests. And it's just random people face-to-face. Cameras are on. Um, So even if you go into this with good intentions, like even if your kid's like, mom, everyone's doing it, you know, it's fun. It's very dangerous and things can escalate very quickly because you don't get to decide who you're coming in contact with and you don't know why they are on that app. So this is one just to steer clear from for sure. Um, Now I want to talk about, she's a freshman in high school, so she just turned 15. And she brought this to me when she was in eighth grade. So yeah, middle schoolers, high schoolers, they all have a hold of this app. Um, Yeah, Uh, the next thing I wanna talk about are some different types of restrictions and types of accounts you can have on like our main social media outlets like Instagram. Um, A lot of people, I know it's popular, they have something called a spam account or a Finsta, which means fake Instagram. Yep, a Finsta, and they will, use a name and like a photo that's like goofy, like something to do with them, their name, but not their name. So it might be a little bit harder to find. 
and they make it restricted to only a certain amount of people can see it, like only their close friends, and they post things that they don't want everyone to see. Maybe they don't want their family to see or their teachers or their coaches or whoever might be following their main account. Um, this isn't always used for bad things, and I would say if your kid wants to have it just to keep up with the trends, you know, do what everyone else at school is doing, just request that they let you follow the account too. So you can make sure they're not using it to hide things, but maybe just make it a little bit of a sillier account. And that's the same thing with Snapchat. Um, Snapchat has stories that you can do, and there's something called a private story. It's something you can keep secret from other people. And like I said, just request that you would be added to this if you let them have these social medias. And then when it comes to restrictions actually putting on those accounts, Instagram, I had private for a long time. And I think it's a good idea that you keep this account private, which just means someone has to request to follow you and then you accept their follow. It's not open to the public, um, especially for young girls. Why Instagram is uh, needs to be private is because direct messages can get super crazy. <laughs> I just took my um, Instagram off of private and made it public as I've gotten older and, you know, want to reach a wider range of people. And I get direct messages from weird old men all the time. And I'm like, this is terrible. So Snapchat, though, I would say always needs to be private because the thing about Snapchat is you can get pictures from just anyone. Anyone in the world can find your username and send you a photo at any time if you're not having a private account. And that's a little bit of a scary thing. Um, and then I decided that I was going to poll my Instagram followers. So I put some questions up there and had like a voting poll. And the average amount of people that answered were 347 people. And these are people within my age range, minus or add a few years. And I just wanted to share with you guys like what the majority of teenagers have experienced and what they think. So I asked, um, have you struggled with social media in any way? And 72% said that they have, and only 28% said that they haven't. So teenagers and kids know that it's easy to struggle with. It's easy to spend too much time on. It's easy to compare yourself. It's easy to look at the high highlight reel. It's easy to get into bad stuff. And they recognize that. Um, then I asked if social media feels like a safe place to you. 83% said no, it feels dangerous. And only 17% said that they do feel safe. Then my last question for my followers was, um, what's one thing you wish someone would have told you before you got a social media account? And they said that um, even if you think your account is private, you can't delete anything once you put it on there and anyone can see it. So once you put something out, it's there forever. Even if you think you deleted it, even if you think not everyone can see it, that information is online. And that it's super easy to get addicted to. And if you don't limit your time, you can find yourself in this trap. And oh, I also asked, um, what age did you get a social media account? And the, this one kind of blew my mind. The average age was eight years old that they had access in their own social media account. And that was people more my age. So I'm thinking even now, it could be younger. It could be six or seven, which is terrifying. Thank you, Mom, for not letting me have an account at seven years old. <laughs> and then lastly... Um, you guys might be sitting in this class tonight thinking like, 
well, my kid's a little bit older, they're already in high school, or, you know, my kid's about to be in high school, or they're in middle school, I'm too late, I haven't raised them this way. And I just wanted to encourage you guys with my personal story. Um, I'd grown up with my mom my whole life. My parents got divorced whenever I was a baby. And I would go to my dad's house every other weekend. But when I was 16, I decided I was going to move to my dad's house. So I already had a car. I was on the varsity cheer team. I ran track for two years. I had my life exactly how I wanted it. I had my friends. I had my rules. I had my curfew. But then when I moved to my dad's, we kind of had to start at ground zero. They didn't really raise me. So we had to build this relationship. And I started having to be home for dinner every night. And through that, at the time, I didn't, I didn't know that it would be a good thing. I was like, I want to hang out with my friends. But I had to be at dinner. And the conversation was never, can I see your phone? Can I see your social media? Let me see what you're hiding. It was just everyday conversations. And we built that relationship and just talking about like, how was your day at school? Or just talking about my friend circle or my sports. I really got to understand their heart for me. And then that made me like have a respect for them and honestly want to obey them more because I really understood like my parents love me and they want the best for me. And then if something did happen, I would feel more comfortable going to them. And if they wanted to look at my phone, I would feel a lot more comfortable being like, okay, here you go. So I just want to encourage you. It's not too late. I started over at 16, so you guys can do it too. Yes. I think when I was in sixth grade, I got my first Instagram. So I was 12. Yeah. I'd say high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, and are we going to do a question and answer at the end? I think we're going to do a question and answer at the end. So if you have questions, no, you're good. You're good. But if you have more questions, we'll have time for that. And I'm going to hand over to Joy. There you go. Oh, my gosh, that was so good. When we were meeting to prepare for tonight, Maddie was telling us those things. And we were like, we had no idea. Like, we had no idea. So... Maddie's awesome. Okay, so before I talk about my age group, I'm actually going to build a foundation of biblical stewardship because that's what we're doing. We're stewarding our kids, and we're helping our kids to steward technology. And so um, I'm going to start by building that biblical foundation. So we're going to look at a parable. And if you don't know, a parable from the Bible is a lesson. So it's not necessarily something that specifically happened, but it's a lesson that we can learn from um, in our lives. And so that's how we learn life principles. Um, and Jesus used them frequently so that we could um, learn those principles. So um, if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it's totally fine. I'm going to have it on the screen. Um, open to Matthew 25. We're going to look at verses 14 to 30. Um, you'll notice that, so we're going to talk about the parable of the talents, which everybody knows and has probably heard a hundred times. Um, but it's actually the second of two parables that Jesus mentions. And the first parable is of the seven virgins, I think it's called. Um, but the start of that parable says the kingdom of heaven is like, and so these two parables are are explaining from Jesus what the kingdom of heaven is like, which is so appropriate because if you were here on Sunday, we started a new series about um, dual citizenship being uh, 
citizens of earth and of heaven, pregnancy brain. Um, And so I just love this because as we start to look at this parable, I want you to remember that what Pastor Josh said, um, the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is Lord. And so it's my assumption that you want Jesus to be Lord over your kids. You want Jesus to be Lord over your technology. And so that's why we can dive head in, heart in, and totally soak up this parable. Okay, I'm going to read it from the screen. Okay, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, and so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said again, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least then I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well, what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Isn't that a fun ending? I love that ending. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start off by kind of breaking it down for us. Talents in this parable is money. Obviously, bags of silver, I think, is what this translation said. Um, But because it's a parable, we can learn from it, right? So talents, money, represents resources. Um, As money is a resource, so is time. Time is a resource. Relationships are resources. Money is a resource. And nowadays, technology is a resource. And so we're going to look at some qualities of the master and then qualities of each of the servants. So qualities of the master. Now, as we look at this, I want you to kind of see it in the lens of I'm the master, my kids are the servants, I'm entrusting them with technology, okay? So qualities of the master. The master entrusted his servants, point blank. The master said, I will give you money to be entrusted with. Um, There's something you said earlier, and I was like, man, that was so good. Hang on, let me think for one second. (laughs) Um... Oh, fearful, fearless parenting, right? 
you can be fearful or you can be fearless. And actually, um, if you served this weekend in one of our classes, I don't know if anybody did, but we learned all about the bent over lady and how she had faith and faith made her do something, right? She was bent over. Jesus touched her, healed her from 18 years of broken back or whatever it was, but she didn't stay bent over. She decided to stand up, right? Her faith made her do something. And so if you have faith that Jesus is your Lord, you don't just stop, you go, right? So you decide, I have faith that Jesus is powerful. I'm going to give my kid technology, right? Okay. So then the word says that the master divided it in proportion to their abilities. And I think that this is so powerful because I have four siblings, there's five of us, and we're all totally different. And so what I could be entrusted with as the oldest responsible girl, um, my brothers could not, you know, it's just how it was. And there were some things that they were mature enough for and I wasn't. And so understanding that that is actually a biblical principle that we entrust, um, we divide in proportion with abilities especially when you have kids of different ages. Just because your 15-year-old can have an Instagram account does not mean that your sixth grader should, you know? And they can say, oh, but so-and-so has it. Why can't I have one? Well, because you're, how old is a sixth grader? 12, because you're 12, yeah. Um, Okay, so then the master, um, we see what he looked for in the servants, right? Because of his response. So when when the servants gave a report to the master. He said to the first two, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He looked for goodness and he looked for faithfulness in what they had done. The servants were judged individually. Your your children, not your servants, your children should be entrusted and guided individually. So of course the master is representative of Jesus and how he responds to us. Therefore, as parents, this is how we respond to our kids. Um, The qualities of the two successful servants. So the first two servants were prompt. It says that right away they went and invested their money. They worked hard. They were successful. And I think the most important thing is they were ready to give an account to their master. And so when the master came, they didn't say, oh, wait, let me get it all together. Let me get you, let me, let me get it all together so I can show you. No, they were ready. And I think that that's really powerful to teach our kids like, hey, this is a relationship that we have. This is not like you individually and me. This is us. And so at any time, I'd love to talk about this with you. You know, it's not just like, okay, at the end of each month, like, no, they were ready to give an account to their, to the master. Um, and then the first two servants, because they invested their money and got more out of it, they each got a reward. And I think that that is really beneficial to know as parents. Um, the rewards that they received, they received praise from their master, which is really all we want from Jesus, right? Just to tell us, hey, you did so good. I'm so proud of you. And that's what, that's what I wanted to hear from my parents. Just praise, like, hey, you're doing a great job. Um, they also were given the promise of a blessing, and glory slash joy of the Lord slash celebration with the master. And I think that that's the most powerful thing, that when the master saw that the servants had been ready to give a report and they had invested and come out on the other side um, with with the money or or the resource, um, 
the very first thing the master said was, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now you may enter into my celebration. And <clears throat> to celebrate your kids is awesome. And to say, hey, you did this. Now you can go have a pizza party, whatever. But what's even better is for them to enter into your celebration, you know, as a family and as an individual. Okay, and then Spurgeon says, as reward, the master's portion is shared with the servants, not having joy of our own, but entering into the joy of the Lord. Um, and I think that that's awesome because we just want to enter into the Lord's celebration, right? Like we just want to enter into his presence and the joy that he has and to become a part of that. Okay, so then qualities of the unsuccessful servant. Um, now, I want you to look at this servant in two ways. You are the servant because the father has entrusted you with these kids, right? Um, and so if we look at it this way, we see that the servant said, I was afraid I would lose your money. His decision was based out of fear. And that's why he was unsuccessful. That's why he was thrown into the gnashing of teeth, you know, because he chose to live his life by fear. Um, the third servant did nothing positive with his money. He was passive and fearful. He said, Master, you are so powerful and can do anything. Surely I'm too small to make an impact. Um, the third servant didn't work, didn't try, and made excuses. And the master called him wicked and lazy, which then made him go to hell. And that tells us that wickedness and laziness are sins, right? And if laziness is a sin, then that should be repented of. If, and again, I say this as a messenger of the word, not as a parent yet. Um, but one thing that was really powerful that I read in a commentary was that the sins of our omission can be just as dangerous as the sins of our commission. And so if you give your kid technology and you're lazy about it and you don't walk alongside them and you don't guide them and parent them, you're committing laziness, which is a sin. And so our heart is to encourage you and motivate you to do this God's way. So that is my foundation of biblical foundation. What time is it? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, I'm going to go through the first part of this really quick because I think the youngest kid we have represented in here is five. Two. Yay! What I'm saying is going to matter. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm like, you can wait and give this to your grandkids someday. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> you're closest probably, right, to, to grandparenthood? Um, I don't know. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, Steph is young. Okay, so I'm going to talk about, <laughs> if you, here's the thing. Okay, here's a little commercial break. When I first started coming to New Song and serving in New Song Kids, Jake scared the crap out of me. He scared me so much because I take people at their word. A sarcasm goes right over my head. And so when he would tease me, I would be like, babe, I think I hurt Jake's feelings. Like, and then I caught on and now I protect all the other innocent girls who he tries to tease and yeah. So anyways, now that's my mission in life. <laughs> okay. 
All right, end of commercial break. So I'm going to talk about parenting with technology for infants through five years old. And I'm so passionate about this because I am a pastor to infants through five-year-olds. And that is like, the I think, the greatest calling in the whole world. Maybe aside from being a wife and a mom, which will happen in five months, and I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shannon knows me. Okay. So here is my passion, and I feel like God has really been pouring this into me and several of us recently because a bunch of us are about to become parents, and so we're really hyped, and, like, God is giving us this motivation and teaching us, like, preparing us, you know? So I'm going to share with you what I've been learning. So as a parent to a toddler and preschooler, um, you are the connection between your child and God. And you walk alongside them as they start to experience God for themselves, right? But they are introduced to it because of you and the way that you live. You have full authority over their spiritual growth and development. You have authority over a lot of things. You have authority over bedtime and food consumption, activities, everything. You are in charge. Um, every toddler and preschooler's basic need comes from you. They are not fed unless you feed them. They do not go to sleep unless you make them, um, or they just pass out. Um, so my question is, why would you trust them with the internet? Like, if you don't just give your kid a knife and say, okay, you can figure it out. If you don't just put your five-year-old in the driving seat of a vehicle and say, all right, have fun. Why would you do that with a piece of technology? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so the American Psychological Association, here are some statistics and background for us. Um, these are their recommendations for media for my age group. So 18 months and under, their recommendation is to avoid screen time unless FaceTiming with loved ones. 18 months and under, avoiding screen time. I wonder what the poll results would be of that. Like, do parents actually do that? No. And I do think there are some exceptions. We have videos in our nursery and one's classroom and but the thing is is we have a, a teacher in between the child and media and so we are the filter by which they observe it and it's all glorifying Jesus it's all praise and worship it's all about teaching that Jesus is love um, the recommendation for 18 to 24 months so what is that a year and a half to two years is that the parent watch with their child like, what? When I read that, I was like, people don't actually do that. Like, they just give their two-year-old a phone, you know? Um, but the recommendation is that parents watch along with their child. What'd you say? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and then two to five years old, the recommendation is one hour per day which Kent is going to give some really awesome statistics in his, so that'll be fun. Okay, so we can walk into this um, about to be a parent with parents of young ones, with parents of old ones, that you can just be, like Jackson said, I'm really scared, and I don't want predators to come after my kids. I am fearful of child predators. I'm fearful of brain development effects. I'm fearful of stunted growth in human interaction. I'm fearful of pornography being on the screen and my child watching it. Um, those are fears, and <clears throat> we get scared of things. But are you parenting fearfully or fearlessly? 
And so do we walk in fear? No, we know that. We don't walk in fear. And so this class isn't to prevent those things from happening. We cannot prevent pornography coming on the screen. We can teach our children how to respond to it, and we can do our very best to walk alongside them and to prepare them and to, I don't know if shelter is the right word, but like guide them along with their age-appropriate things that we provide for them, you know? More on that. Um, this class is to equip you with biblical tools and helpful knowledge so that you can equip your child with tools to utilize technology for God's glory. So Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Um, as a parent of a young kid, you get to make this happen. You get to encourage them and teach them how to fix their thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And you are also capable of preventing them from not thinking on these things because you have authority over them and you are in charge of them and they are not the boss of you, but you are the boss of them. Um, I love saying that when I teach piano lessons. Oh, I'm sorry, who's the boss? Oh yeah, I am, I'm the boss. Okay, let's keep it that way. Who's the boss? I'm the boss. Yep. Um, so we can talk about your responsibility as a parent, but let's talk about your responsibility as an individual. Because if you think about it with an infant and toddler and preschooler, they're just watching you. Like you are their example. Um, and so do you depend on your phone? Because if you depend on your phone, your kid will figure out, oh, when mom is bored, she scrolls. I, I'm bored. I want to I wanna watch a show. You know, um, are you allowing yourself to access inappropriate sites and opportunities? Because you know what? There is a spiritual battle happening behind the scenes. And if you're allowing yourself to creep into those things, you are opening a door for your family that you need to shut so that your children can't walk through that door. Um, and then is your technology negatively, negatively impacting your social relationships in any way? Um, probably. Mine does. Like, Jackson was saying the other night, like, I, well, I won't say it for you, but like, I could be doing so many other things than scrolling on my phone, like talking to my husband, you know? Like, am I preventing our relationship to grow and develop because I'm just scrolling on my phone? Um, and so your kid, your children, your toddlers, your preschoolers, they see that. They see, oh, mom and dad are sitting on the couch, but they're not talking to each other. They're looking at their phone. So I don't need to interact and connect with someone. I can look at my, like you're teaching them that. And they can't verbalize that or logic that, but they understand that in them to their level. Um, so... If you depend on technology, your toddler will depend on tech technology for entertainment. Um, and I think one of the greatest temptations, and I have yet to experience this as a mom, I've experienced it as an aunt, um, but not as a mom, as a pastor, but not as a mom, um, using technology as a distraction. And I think that sometimes it's like, yeah, I need to take a shower, you know? Like, I, I need to do something. And technology can be so easy to just be like, here, go watch a show. Um, but let me just tell you that, like, I don't think that that's a sin. And I don't think if you've done that, you're, like, awful. 
Um, I do think there are other options. And I think if we look for those other options, then you could see a shift in technology in your family. Um, so it can be your your phone may not be a babysitter for your child, but it can be an amazing opportunity for growth and development. There are some awesome websites and apps that I want to tell you about for your toddlers and preschoolers. Um, so just as a final reminder, your toddler, your preschooler, your infant is dependent on you for everything else in life. And so they see your phone as their resource. Okay, so let's talk about some tools. Would you mind putting them up there because I didn't write it down. Okay, apps for toddlers and preschoolers. ABC Mouse is super fun, and you can like earn points and gear and cool stuff. My nephew is obsessed with ABC Mouse. Um, Bugs and Buttons is a really fun like development tool. It's like fun and games, but it also helps your child um, recognize colors and shapes and letters and numbers. I don't know how to say this. Sago Mini Puppy Preschool apparently is like the most fun app in the whole world for little toddlers, so check it out. But then these last two are my favorites, obviously, because it's all about Jesus. But number four, it's called Jesus Loves Me, and this app says it's for two-year-olds and up, and it actually helps your child memorize scripture, which is, I mean, if you're going to give your kid a phone, let's memorize some scripture, you know? Um, and then the fifth one is Bible ABCs. Again, this teaches your kids about colors and shapes and numbers, but they do it within a biblical context. And so there are some options for you. Now, those are apps for toddlers and preschoolers. Now let's look at some other options. Okay, so let's say you're at dinner and you have your four-year-old with you. Instead of handing them a phone, let's hand them a really cool magnetic board that they can draw over and over and over on and erase and draw over and over and over on and erase. Um, you don't have to give them a phone you can give them a magnetic drawing board. Okay, next. Um, this is also for a preschooler, but I think it would also work for little kids because you're still learning the dexterity, is that the right word? Um, that kids, and and I should have said this, but the, the um, Sago mini dog one, it also helps your kids learn how to use a phone, which I think is really powerful and necessary because we live in a world of technology and they need to know technology and they're going to have a job someday that requires them to know technology. Technology can be a really powerful and beneficial tool. So anyways, this would do the same. And you learn your colors at the same time. Okay, this is really good for preschoolers. Water, wow. Have you guys ever seen this? Um, it's like these pictures that aren't colored and you just put water in the in the little pen and the kid paints over it and so it's like colorful and so fun and doesn't make a mess other than water who cares about water and so and then it dries and you can do it all over again so that's really good for toddlers and preschoolers and then the last one okay if you don't know about these indestructible books you need to know about them you literally cannot just um, destroy them destruct is that a word yeah you can't destruct them um, you can bite them, tear them, rip them, and they don't, they're not destroyed. So that's really good if you have a little, little guy and you're at a restaurant or you're on the phone or, you know, all these different things, you can hand them this. You can buy like a set of 12 of them on Amazon for $30 and switch them out because they need the entertainment of something different. So anyways, those are some ideas for you. Technology is not the only answer to watching your kid. I feel like I have to say, does anybody need a potty break? No, we're good? Okay, we're just rocking and rolling. I love it. 
Rockin' and rolling. Oh, no. Okay, there it is. Oh, it's about to be rough. Okay. We got it. Okay, like uh, Jack said, I'm the elementary pastor here, so I'm going to... Um, I have a lot of your kids in my class, Threshold and Boomtown. Um, and so this is just some, I'm going to do a lot of facts tonight that I personally didn't know about, but I'm glad that I do now. That I have some apps I'm going to share with you. Um, and so just a warning, some of this um, facts I'm going to give you guys are a little disturbing uh, for your kids' age range. So let's just dive into it. I have two points tonight. My first point is technology is powerful. Um, Jackson said that. Joyce said that. We all agree with that, right? Technology is one of the most powerful things on this planet. Um, it can be either good or bad. So my question is, are we allowing technology to be fruitful in our kids' lives or just plain garbage? Um, that's a big question. Um, so I'm going to jump into my first fact. Uh, the first one is from a market researcher called Childwise. It's back in 2015. So it's five years ago. Uh, they took a survey from kids uh, kids ages 5 to 16. Um, so I'm jumping in a little bit of youth here. But um, average was six and a half hours of screen time a day. With teenage boys, 13 to 16, averaging eight hours of screen time a day. If you guys are trying to add that up real quick, that's 90 days or three months of screen time. Meaning they sat there for three months and they looked at nothing but a screen. <laughs> What's even more amazing, though, and I, I found this one because I, I kind of do this too, but now they're bumping up to doing two screens at a time. And I'll explain that. I do this at home. NBA playoffs is going on. You know, LeBron James, he might make a run. I don't know. Um, but I also like playing Call of Duty when I get home. Um, my wife is doing school, so I get some Call of Duty time with my cousins and my brother, and it's just fun. But I'm playing Call of Duty, and then I'm also down here looking at the playoffs, you know? So I, I got to get it all in. And kids now are now doing this too. They're either playing Minecraft on their phone and then playing a game with, online with their friends, but they've got two screens going on. So the TV is also a screen. It's not just a phone or a tablet. Um, minimum age, I didn't know this, um, Maddie, but <laughs> it is uh, minimum age for a kid to receive a social media account is 12 years old is what I found. Um, obviously, they're getting younger, but... Um, 12 years old. Uh, I didn't grow up with social media. None of us did. Maddie obviously did. Um, but they're obviously getting social media in middle school now. Um, one of the um, facts I have is four out of five 12-year-olds have an account or have access to someone else's account, meaning that they might not have a phone, but then their friend has a phone and they're using, they made an account on their phone. Um, which I found just like, kids are smart. <laughs> um, one out of five 12-year-olds have been victim of cyber, uh, to cyber bullying, um, which makes me upset. Um, this leads to multiple side effects, but the main one is being depression, which leads me to my other stat. Now, before I get to the stat, has, anyone, has everyone deleted their Netflix account already? Their Netflix account? Yeah. Okay, if you have, that's, that's fine. I, I totally understand because of what's going on. But there's a show on there called The Social Dilemma. Has everyone watched that yet? Okay, you guys got homework. Y'all need to go watch The Social Dilemma. What it is, it's these guys, um, they got all these, like, the president of, like, Instagram and um, guys who wrote code for Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and 
Pinterest and all these guys, and they sit down. They've all left the companies because of what's going on right now. But um, one of the key members they interviewed uh, was Dr. Jonathan, I think it's Haight. It's eight. I don't know how to say it, but Haidit, whatever. Um, but he gives a stat uh, about non-fatal self-harm rates with teenage girls, meaning that these uh, girls were admitted to hospitals for cutting themselves or harming themselves in some way. Um, from 2009, I know it's a long time, but from 2009, out of 100,000 girls, ages 15 to 19, it had increased 62%. From 2009, out of the same... Uh, amount of girls, 100,000, 10 to 14, it had increased 189%. Lastly, he shows a graph about suicide rates for the same ages out of a million girls. Uh, 15, 19 had increased 70% of those girls were uh, committing suicide. And girls from 10 to 14 had increased 151%. The percentage of those numbers are basically, are um, based primarily on social media accounts. All these girls who, who committed suicide, they all had some form of social media. Gen Z, born, uh, kids born after 1996, were the first kids who got a social media account in middle school. You can't tell me that technology is not powerful. Um, before, I'm about to share some good and bad apps like Joy did, uh, but for your kids, um, I think it's good that you guys know what apps your kids are using. Um, These apps can be useful for the 6 to 12 age range. Um, I want to say this real quick. There's, a, there's another guy. Oh, man, what's his name? He's the main guy on, the, on Social Dilemma. His name's Tristan Harris. And he, goes, like, he speaks like almost 365 days a year at different places to parents telling them what's going on in social media. Um, now I, could, I could talk about this for a long time, what he talked about. What he's saying is that you can't be naive to think that social media, there's not, there's not more on the back end, meaning that your social media account knows more about you than you know about yourself because there's data on data about what you like, what you don't like, what keeps your attention, what keeps you scrolling, and then again, it's how long you've been on that thing, um, which is mind-blowing. Um, and that's the main job of social media platforms is to keep you scrolling. It's to keep scrolling. We've all been probably victim of that. We looked down, it's 30 minutes gone by. So if you're taking notes, some good apps that I just came across, I'm like, I got to give you something because I know there's a lot and you guys can do your own research, but I thought I'd help you out by giving you some. There's this app called Epic. Um, it's a reading app uh, with over 35,000 children's books. It's $8 a month. It's ages 2 to 12. Um, Oh, this is, this is the quote he said. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. I think that for a second. If you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. What's all free? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. All those are free to get. There's a reason why. Because you're the product. They're, they're watching you. Um, so if your kids have free apps, I would suggest that you go look at those free apps. Because with free apps, what comes on free apps? Ads. We... Click, they accidentally, by well, the game, when you scroll or you're doing ninja swipe or whatever, you accidentally hit that ad, it takes you down a deep, dark rabbit hole. And it makes no sense. It has nothing to do with the game they're playing. But you don't get those ads when you buy something. Um, the other one that's good is Stack the States. Uh, it's geography with some fun. It's $3. It's ages 10 and up. So they're all taking geography at that age. 
Um, so this helps them with that. Uh, Winky is called Stack the States. <laughs> you stack, yeah, yeah, whatever. Next. Okay. Perfect. Uh, the next one was Winky Think. It's a game about problem solving. It actually looked pretty cool when I checked it out. I was like, I could, you know, I could play the game, but it was ages three to eight. I don't know why I just told you that. It tells you where my mind is. Um, and the main thing that I found is games that don't require internet. There's games out there that don't require you have Wi-Fi, which is great. Um, so I would highly recommend getting those. And then again, games, um, games and apps that you have to buy. Um, the bad ones we've been talking about all night, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. We talked about YouTube yet? YouTube, guys. YouTube, um, again, is like Facebook. Now, I don't know if I want to ask you guys. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll tell you. I've done this where I've been talking to my wife about, right now we're talking about baby cribs. I get on Facebook, boom, baby cribs. How'd they know? Because they're listening to you guys. So if they're listening to us, they're definitely listening to your kids. When you're on YouTube, guys, I, look, I get on YouTube. I love YouTube. Uh, I think we all, is how-to. I'm a how-to guy. How do I build this? Da-da-da-da. Well, then you just keep scrolling for a little bit, and you're not looking at how-to anymore. You're watching, you know, whatever else. So YouTube, uh, I know there's even kids' account YouTube, and I've even read that that's not as good either because somehow people put things that are not kids' stuff in there. So YouTube is one that you definitely need to um, be watching, go to their history, see what they've watched. Um, one of the other uh, ones is a BitLife. Uh, it's a sim game, so it's a simulation game, but it's, it's more towards kids. They make it look like a kid's game. And it starts off as a baby, and then you kill people, and you die in the game. So I don't know about that, but that was weird. Bit life, B-I-T. It's a, yeah, these are the bad ones. Um, and then any video or chatting apps, like Maddie was talking about, any of those, those are not good. They don't need to be doing those. That's why you have FaceTime on your phone. That's the only thing you need it for. And then poof. Poof means is exactly what it says, poof, like it's gone. It hides apps on their phone or tablet. Meaning that when you're looking at their tablet at night, you won't see it's there. I don't know how, I, I don't think it said how they do that, probably for a reason, but it said that they can put all their apps and stuff in this poof app, and then the poof app goes away. Yeah. So, um, I don't. I, I. I don't know. I didn't, from what I was reading, it didn't say how you got rid of the app. So maybe I had to download it. Yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is, when I'm looking at this stuff, when I'm hearing Maddie tell about these apps that are out there for hiding stuff, they're not meant for adults. Maybe they are. Maybe there's some of us that use them, but they're they're put towards kids because kids know that if they bring that to their parents. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to get yelled at. They're going to get grounded. This is how I grew up. Um, I looked at pornography when I was, I think, 10, accidentally. Came across it innocently. We talked about this last month. Um, looked up xmen.com because I wanted to watch X-Men and Wolverine and all those guys. And it wasn't X-Men. It was XXXmen. And so um, I came across it innocently. But my mom found it because I didn't know how to get rid of it. And... She told me that if I ever looked at it again, then I'm going to be sent to boarding school. 
And so do you think I ever brought anything to her again? No, I did not. And so that's what we're talking about is how you have to cultivate that, that communication. Um, and so, sorry, that was not in my notes. Um, one of the best apps, I was telling Stephanie about this, one of the best apps that I found for parents to watch um, what's on your kids' tablets and their phones and whatever else is an app called Mobi, M-O-B-I-C-I-P. It's a parental control app. Um, what it does is it shows you kids' screen time, what apps they are allowed to use, or you can control what apps they're allowed to use, um, what websites they can search, and it will show you what they have looked at and for how long, and there's tons more on this app, and it's very clean and simple, which is why I, I like it, because it's easy to navigate. Can you spell that again? Yep, Mobi, uh, M-O-B-I-C-I-P. All one word. All one word. Not... It is different than screen time. Yes, uh, it's more controlled. Um, you can lock them out. Um, that they like once their screen time's up, they have to come get you for this password. I think is what this one does. So it's. Oh, it does. Okay. Well, this is. Uh, I think this is more just like keeps information, um, in the one app. Um, okay. So that's my apps and my, um, my facts. Well, I want to tell you guys, if it matters to them, then it matters to us, right? So if your kids come to you and they say, hey, dad, mom, I want to, I want to download this app. Uh, it's a game or it's, a, it's another app, whatever it is, like Stack the States or something. And, you're, and you have no idea what this app is. I would say to you, don't just tell them no or yes. Say, hey, bud or miss lady, I'm going to take, take this app. I'm going to download it. I'm going to mess around with it for just five minutes. If I don't like it, you're not going to play with it. If I do like it, maybe we'll talk about it. But if it matters to them, then it matters to you guys, right? It's like what Joy saying. You're not blindly, uh, blind, blindlessly going, hey, here's a knife, but you're also not going, hey, here's your app that you wanted because I, I don't have time to deal with you. You should have time to deal with just a five-minute app to say yes or no. Um, again, all these apps, they might seem innocent on the outside. It's it's a fun character or whatever. Once you download it, it might have something terrible that your kids will never um, stop seeing again. And um, the last one, uh, this is my, my last point. I'm sorry, I'm going over it. It's mindset. I just want to talk about your mindset for a second. In this section, I want to help you understand what your mindset should be when dealing with any of these situations that might come up. Um, when I was preparing this message, I came, I came across one verse. Um, this verse was uh, told me a lot as a little kid from my father. Any guys know what I'm talking about yet? Okay, it's, okay. it's Proverbs 13, 24. And it says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Do your kids know who's the boss when it comes to technology? And are you disciplining them um, because you hate them or because you love them? Um, I love how this verse shows us that discipline is necessary for a child. Um, the rod is meant to be good, not harm. That's what I think a lot of people like, mix, you know, miss this verse as saying, oh, it's meant for you know, the rod. It's going you know, to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. No, it's meant to help them. Um, the verse is pretty clear that spare the rod. If you spare discipline, then in fact, you're sparing them from love. And I know everyone in here loves their kid. 
Um, and I'm not going to get on the bandwagon or the, the thing about how you should spank your kids or you shouldn't. I'm not going to talk about that. What I am going to talk about how is you need to discipline your kids. And when that discipline comes to technology as well. Um, if you don't discipline your kids on what is right and what is wrong with technology, then they fall into a destructive power that technology offers very easily. Don't hate your kids and let them just do whatever they want, especially at these crucial, crucial ages. Instead, love your kids. Let them know how much how serious this stuff is. I have actually Michael's parents in here tonight. Michael uh, serves in Boomtown Second Service as he does the slides for us and um, the sound and all that. And he does a great job, really does. But I had to tell him early on, I said, hey, bud, this stuff up back here is very important. It's One, it's very expensive. And two, if you mess up back here, you might you might keep someone from knowing what they were supposed to be, know, what they were supposed to know that service it might be a, a video that didn't get played or a slide that get, didn't get shown, something. But you got to take this stuff very seriously. It should be the same approach when we look at tablets, phones, and TV even. So, what's your heart look like? Do you practice what you preach? Joy hit on this. When you tell your kids to put their device down and come to dinner, are you putting your device down and coming to dinner? It's. I feel like when it gets to the devices, you can't do one thing and tell your kids to, you, to do another. Because they're looking at you, right? They look up to you. They want to be like you. What's the purpose for your kids to be on their devices? Is it so you can have some peace and quiet? Are they on their devices every day? Are they on the Word every day? I think one of those outweighs the other by a lot. Your kids look up to you. They want to be like you. They want to dress like you, talk like you, pray like you even. What I'm about to say is just a figure of speech. I got a cool video for you guys. But it's a saying, I'm not calling your kids this, I'm not calling you this, but monkey see, monkey do, right? So I want you guys to check out this clip. Okay, we need some sort of distraction for everybody. Anything new on YouTube? Michael. Doesn't even need to be good. Oh God, I can't think. I need more Mullins. Even a smile. Listen, Wallace said these were just rumors, right? So we have no reason to think that the company's anything but fine. So if we just go on with our work, you and me, they'll follow along. Monkey see, monkey do. That's it. Monkey pee all over you. That rhyme. Okay, so I love The Office, and that's what that clip made me think of. Monkey see, monkey do. And so, and then Jim Halper says it perfectly. He's like, whatever they see us doing, they're going to fall right in line. So you guys have to be that example. Your kids are watching you. How can you discipline them? If you haven't disciplined yourself first, um, okay. How can you discipline your kids if you haven't disciplined yourself first? Are your kids watching you because the phone, uh, be on your phone all night, scrolling mindlessly? Are you constantly checking the scores to your fantasy league, guilty when you're supposed to be reading or building something with your kids? And when you're out there, baseball, soccer, football, gymnastics, recital, whatever it is, are you looking at their phone or are you looking at them? Child see, child do. It starts with us. Technology is powerful. Are you in control of that power or are your kids? Thank you. Is this good, guys? Is this good for you? Okay, good. It's better than good. That's what I like to hear. Okay. Um, well, we are actually getting really close. I didn't think we would go this long, which is awesome. It's been such good stuff. Um, but we're getting close to the end, so I'm not going to take too much time. I really just kind of want to piggyback off of a lot of what has already been said, a lot of what Matt, what Maddie said. But um, but I am the youth pastor, so I'm over students, middle school to high school. Um, and 
let's be honest, that's an awkward time. If you, We've all been there before. It's just your body's changing. You like girls now. Like things are, everything is changing really fast. And um, pretty much all throughout history, up until modern times, every culture has, if you think about it, they've had like a coming of age, right? So if you think about Judaism, right, what is that? You've got the um, bar mitzvah, right, for a 13-year-old boy. So when a, when a boy turns 13, they have this coming of age party, right? It's a celebration. The whole family gets together. And from that moment on, that child is not seen as a child anymore. They're, they're treated as an adult, as a man, not even a young man, just you're a man now, 13, boom, here you go. Um, and all throughout cultures, we see that. We see a coming of age, and it's usually pretty definite. And I think we still have that today. It's just now it's way later, right? It's 18. When you're 18, you're an adult, and that's when we're going to treat you like an adult. And I, I don't think 13 is the right age for that, and I don't think 18 is the right age for that. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's honestly a really gray area and, and time of life, right? 13 to 13 to 18. They're not a child anymore, but they're also not an adult yet, right? And so I think our parenting kind of has to reflect that a little bit. Uh, I think you have to treat them as a child and also as an adult in different areas. I don't think there's... Ne- Tonight, I'm not going to give you apps. I'm not going to give you anything like that. I think really in this age, it's between you and your child. But what I want to do is give you just really quickly just encouragement and some brief um, instructions. So at the end of the day, every teenager, every middle schooler, every preteen, what they really want is to be trusted and to be known. So if you think about maybe when you were in high school or middle school, you wanted to be treated like an adult, right? You wanted to be trusted with the responsibilities. Now, whether you were ready for those responsibilities or not, that depends on who you are, right? But you really wanted to be trusted by something. And so I think in that age of middle school and high school, for you, there has to be some slack given, right? Um, If we're taking the approach of fearlessly parenting our middle schoolers or our high schoolers because of the craziness that we're hearing in technology today, um, that might be keeping them from things now. But what happens when they're 18 and we see them as an adult all of a sudden and they haven't been trained at all? There's no communication, and then you give them freedom. Like, what's going to happen with that? Well, they're obviously not going to know how to steward it because they haven't been taught it. They've been sheltered from it. And so there has to be some trust given. And that doesn't mean just giving them a phone without any restrictions, right? But there has to be some trust given during that age because what what you're actually doing, kind of like what Joy was saying, is like the master entrusted with the servants. So we can trust giving our kids technology, but there has to be some boundaries, right? Um, And so I think this is just, I I know some of you guys already know about this, but I think a good, if you have a student, a good place to start is screen time. I know you mentioned that. I've actually got a video of my phone. I've got screen time on my phone. Is it up there, Kent? So this is my phone. Screen time is in settings. You can uh, hit screen time. It shows you your average, and you've got all of these different, so my wife, Haley, she's got the passcode. So I've got app limits on my phone. So for instance, right here, I've got 30 minutes of screen time on Instagram, like social media a day. And so I have 30 minutes 
to, and I can spend that 30 minutes however I want. I can spend it all in one sitting, or I can divvy it up throughout the day. Now, think about it. That's actually a really cool tool to start teaching your middle school or your high schooler is, hey, I'm trusting you with these apps. Um, I have a passcode for this, so when you run out of time, you can't use it anymore. But I'm trust I want to give you the opportunity to learn how to spend that how you wish. So you're giving them practice on how to say, well, I have 30 minutes of whatever app a day. I can either waste it all right now, or I can learn how to divvy it up throughout the day. And I think that's a really cool lesson. You're teaching your kid how to, how to well, not have addictive behaviors, right? <laughs> and, but you're also teaching them, hey, when you run out of time, I'm oh, sorry, that's it. You ran out of time. Um, and so I just think that's a great start for any of you guys, middle school or high schooler. I've got screen time on my phone because I don't want to get it. I mean, I've already been addicted to those things before and I don't want to be anymore. So when I, when it's out, it's done. Right. So I think that's a great place for you to give some trust to your students, um, to your middle schoolers or to your high schoolers by saying, Hey, you can use these apps that I've let you use. Um, but as a family, this is the time we use it. You can use it however you want during the day, but when it's gone, it's gone, right? Does that make sense? So you've got that trust given. I think that's a really important um, lesson for your kids. Um, but then at the end of the day, so every student wants to be trusted, but this is the really big one, and I just really, really, really want to piggyback off of what Maddie was saying, um, is your kids, your students, they really want to be known so badly that is the need of every single, I mean, everybody in general, but especially in that age, is they want to be known, they want to be seen. And um, so that takes communication. Um, and I want to use, I love this, I heard this term, I don't know where I heard it, but I use it all the time because it's such a good picture. Um, but you want to have relational equity with your kids. So think about equity. Everybody, does everybody own a house here, right? So my wife and I, we got our first house a year and a half ago. Uh, we love it. It's so much fun owning a house, Lord of the land, right? And um, one of the things that we decided we wanted to do really early on uh, was start investing into our home. And so what does that look like when you invest into your home? Well, you you try your best to paint the walls a different color or, uh, you know, get new floors, or you try to do things that builds equity in your home, right? And when you're doing that, when you're investing into something, you don't see the equity right away, right? You see it later on when you need it. And it's really a lot of its faith is you're doing this, you're pouring money into it, you're pouring time and effort into this thing. Um, and that equity isn't something you see right away, but it is building. And over time, when you need it most, the hope is I get that equity back. Thank you. Um, so what does this look like with relationship, with, with communication? Well, just like Maddie said, that girl in that story, she found herself in a really sucky place. She was in this sticky situation where she had pictures of herself on a Dropbox, uh, which is terrible. It's a terrible place to be. But she was in a really good place because she had relational equity with her parents, right? She had connection with her parents. Her parents had spent time pouring into her, probably not about purity conversations, but just pouring into her in general. They had communication, they had connection, 
And so what happened when they when she needed them most, they had relation they had relational equity already built up. So she was able to bring that issue to her parents. And then what happened? It didn't get solved in one day, but her parents were able to step in and do something about it. So my question to you is, do you have relational equity with your kids? And that doesn't necessarily look like, uh, you know, hey, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about purity every every night. Or uh, I need to see your phone at the end of every night and we're going to go through it together. It doesn't have to look like that. Like Maddie said, she started from uh, square one with her dad and her stepmom. It was just having dinner at the table. It was just connection. And I think we, you know, with investments in life, uh, it doesn't look like fancy or it doesn't look, we don't see it right away. We don't see the effect right away, but we do see it when we need it most. And so, you know, those conversations around the table, those times where you choose to invest in your kids in the car on the way to school or to ask them when, when you see that they're having a hard day and you could just blow it off and not have that conversation with them when you say, hey, hey, what's wrong? Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? What you're doing is you're building relational equity with your kids. So when they need you most and when you want them to need you most, what do they do? They go to you, right? Um, and so I think, I hope you see the heart and everything that we've talked about tonight. Obviously, we don't want to tell you what to do. We're not parents yet. We don't know yet. But what we do know is we've been children before. We've had parents. Um, and I know for me specifically, I, there was times I love my parents so much, but there was times, if I could be honest with you, I didn't have relational equity with my parents. So I didn't bring them stuff ever. And I hate that. I wish I did. I wish I did so bad because it would have helped me out in so many areas of my life. And so for you, I just want to ask, have you guys ask yourself the question, do I have relational equity with my kids? Do I pour into my kids? Do I ask them questions, hard questions, easy questions? Am I, am I taking the time to invest in them? Um, not even when it comes to technology, just in general. Am I investing in them with conversation? Communication is so important. When you build that trust and when you make them feel like they're known by their parents, when the world does touch them, which it's gonna touch them in some form or fashion, they trust you and they come to you. And that's, that's what we want at the end of the day. We can't keep our kids from ever experiencing sin. It's just gonna happen. So what do we do? Well, we do something that the enemy can't come against, which is your connection with them. If you're choosing to make that connection a, a real thing, they can experience sin, they can go through life, but they trust you and they'll bring things to you. Does that make sense? So I'm just gonna pray, I'm just gonna close this out and then we'll do really quick questions if you guys have any, but uh, Father God, we just thank you for tonight. Um, God, we thank you that we don't have to walk in this fallen world. Uh, we don't have to walk in this sinful world fearfully. There are so many people in this world that they hear these stats and they hear these horror stories. And we've even done this before. We see these things and we walk, we walk in fear and then we choose to avoid ever experiencing these things due to fear. When you haven't called us to walk in this world through fear, you've called us to walk fearlessly. And you even, show, you even tell us in your word that our kids are arrows that are to be shot into the world, that they're supposed to be light in the darkness. And so God as parents, we are dependent on you helping us to steward our kids. Um, I thank you for everything that was said tonight about technology and about parenting and tips and tricks. I pray that 
whatever needs to stick would stick in these parents' hearts. Whatever needs to just slip away, that it would just slip away. But God, whatever you've revealed to us tonight, I pray that you would just tattoo it on our hearts. Help us to not forget it. Help us to apply it, not just to hear it, but to apply it. And God, at the end of the day, we just want to be parents that look like you. We want to be spirit-led parents that look like you. Not parents doing this in our own strength, but parents doing it in the strength that you want to provide through us, through the Holy Spirit. So thank you for tonight, God. Thank you for our church, for our community here. We're grateful. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.